Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad Al-Ladhi ahya bihi Allahu ta'ala quluba awliya Wa ja'alahu murshidan ila ulumin nafi'ah Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in So alhamdulillah, like we, we, we began with this question that we ask you guys to think about And uh, young women and, and such I don't want to say older women or older men, I'll get in trouble but he says, Al-ilmu wasita bayna al-rabbi wal-abd. So Imam Ibn Jawzi, this is called a qaida. A qaida is not the group. So don't like freak out. Qaida means a principle. So it's like a principle. He's saying this is one of these principles, like a foundational principle to live our lives by. That knowledge is the connection between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's like a way of looking at like what we learn in life it goes back to what you said, like everything's like an opportunity to kind of calibrate that relationship. So not learning doesn't become something that necessarily should intimidate me. So like if you read like Mansa Musa, like everybody probably knows who he is. He's like the richest human being ever. He was so rich, he was a king of Mali. When he came to Cairo, he gave so much gold away that it created inflation. Um, and he came back through Cairo and he borrowed the money back with interest. Uh, that's a different story. Don't ask me about that. Just to help them balance their, um, their economy. That's how rich he was. He, they said he built a mosque every Friday as he traveled from Mali to, to Hajj. But he actually was preceded by two other kings of Mali who both died in the Atlantic Ocean. And when you read about why they went in the Atlantic Ocean, they were like, we know something's on the other side of this thing. So like they weren't intimidated by learning, right? They weren't intimidated by the process of discovery. We talked about the last, last time, Imam al-Ghazali, uh, Imam Ibn al-Jawzi comes after him. Imam Ibn al-Jawzi, how you should see him, is someone like Sifs of Gold. So even though he, like, even theologically, he has some serious differences with al-Ghazali. Uh, Imam Ibn al-Jawzi is Hanbali. Imam al-Ghazali is Shafi'i. The Hanabila and the Shafi'iyah, they didn't like each other, uh, unfortunately. Not to the degree of the Shafi's and the Hanafis, but unfortunately at that time in history, not in general, just there was some things that happened in Baghdad that were very bad. That's why the Malikis were like, we're out, we're going to Spain. Um, and, and still we see like he has respect for this person. Right? He has like, he differs with him with dignity. Um, but in the beginning, we took last week about 12 issues. You're going to write it down so you get the notes, you can see those 12 things. And then today we're going to take like 11. Some of them are the things that you, you, you um, just commented on. Um, because why would the Shafi Madhab allow you to learn magic? Some of the Shafi'iyah. Not everybody, so don't get crazy with it. They would say, Alimun bi Sharia. Someone who's like a master of deen. If it's needed in the area that he lives to protect people from it, he or she should learn it. So sometimes what may be harmful becomes beneficial to learn in order to protect people. We're going to talk about this later. Why would the Prophet allow a man to urinate in his mosque? So we need to be very careful of modernity. Right? Modernity makes us look at things strictly from the black and white perspective. You got a Jedi, you got Darth Vader. But in Islam, you got stormtroopers who may convert. Right? You have Yoda who might become shaitan. 
And today, if we have time, we'll talk about kind of what you just brought up. The Sheikh talks about Mara'at al-Mafasid wal-Masalih. Like you have to look after the harms and benefits. We, we talked about that last week. We talked about Neil deGrasse Tyson, his criticism of, of Ghazali, how he didn't understand the metalogic of the Islamic tradition, which is really rooted in two things, Jalb al-Musalih al-Mafasid, like protecting people from harm and bringing benefit to people. So we'll get into that. But today we're going to talk about 11 issues, uh, inshallah, hopefully if we have time. The last thing that we talked about was like the logical kind of premise for why we would see knowledge as being a fadl. We said last week the word fadl, what does it mean? Who remembers? Fadila. Who remembers what that word means? Yes, sir. Something you work towards? Yeah, yeah, but why does it mean that? Like, what's its essence? Its actual linguistic meaning? Like, if you went into an Arabic dictionary, right? You looked up fadala, you'd find this definition. Who remembers? Yes. Is it something like feeling like blessings towards it or like allowing it? Like you're super close. You're super, you're warm. You're playing hot and cold. <laughs> Mashallah. Call the fire department. <laughs> Ziyada. Fadl means an increase. So fadlu min Allahi, like a blessing from God, is called a blessing because it's not something like you necessarily deserve. It's given to you as a fadl. And the reason that the Shaykh he says Fadilat al-ilm is a blessing is something you gotta work for. And and there's wisdom in the choice of that word because that means like we say Jazam and Jins al-Amal, you know, like the reward is based on how hard you work. So it's something I can struggle for. Right? It's something that's there for me. So it's about work. So he said, Fadl. From the, from the angle of theology, as we look at God, falls under the chapter of Rahmah. We talked about this on, in our book last, Thursday, last semester. And a fadlu from our perspective is about jihad. It's about striving against our soul. We gave the example of abs. Abs is a fadlu, man. You don't have to have them to like, you need a strong core to live a good life, but like you don't necessarily have to have abs. You can have a strong core and still eat pizza, right? But if you like switch to kale and grilled chicken, take out the sugar and the dairy, now you arrive at fucking. So the same, same thing in the spiritual realm. If I pray at night and fast in the day, like that's work. If I dedicate myself to certain causes that are rooted in goodness, I may or may not see the benefit, but I'll, I'll achieve the fadl in the hereafter. So the reason that uh, Al-Ghazali, uh, Rahimahullah, Ibn al-Jawzi follows him in this, Fadilat al-ilm, to encourage people to work hard for it. And that's why the Prophet if you look at a book like Gardens of the Righteous by Anawi, you see that's how it's written. It's written to encourage you, like you can do this stuff. You got this, right? You can push yourself. Don't worry. Try hard. There's two ways that scholars would go about motivating people. One is to like mention a religious text. So, like we mentioned last week, a number, a few of the religious texts that talk about the importance of knowledge, you know, and learning. And then they would also give like rational or logical ways of looking at things. So last week he talked about like. You know, beneficial things are those that are like 
you, you see something that you need it to achieve something else, like a pen to write, and then you see it as being beneficial within itself, like you have to have it, like health. So he said knowledge is one of those things that actually brings both together. Like knowledge, matloub, it's desired for itself because like knowledge helps you live a better life, makes you an inf informed person, makes you woke, right, as people like to say. And then secondly, knowledge is important to achieve things. So the more I know about something, if I'm sincere, right, the better agency I may have, inshallah, by the grace of Allah. And that's why the first thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet, alam, is ilm. He taught him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says, وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمُ We taught you what you didn't know. Alayhi salatu wa salam. And that's where we stop. So he mentions now a rational proof that's kind of cool. Uh, he quotes uh, a really awesome scholar, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak. Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak was the student of Abu Hanifa. And Abdullah ibn Mubarak was a political dissident. Wasn't really happy with the state. So he's like Sufi warrior scholar. And he stands up for people. He stands up for the marginalized. Something we should talk about. Many of the great scholars that we love, we don't love them necessarily because of their knowledge. Imam Malik, let's not forget, was beaten. Imam Abu Hanifa died in prison. Imam Ahmed was in prison. Rabia al-Adawiyah, the great Sheikha, she was, she suffered. Like, it wasn't like these people just like learned all life was awesome, they're like some cool scholar, and he's like sitting around read books all day. Abdullah uh, ibn al-Mubarak, in fact, you know, some of his contemporaries, it's like a good thing to think about, they used to say like, don't really understand like what's the difference between him and us, like he learned the same thing we learned, we all went to the same school. Like, why do people love him, and like, why is he so... As Kendrick Lamar said, you know, execution is a gift. Like a million people can think about ideas and dream ideas. How many people can actually pull it off? Be tawfiqillah. So Abdullah ibn uh, Mubarak, his contemporaries always wondered about how does he have the ability to execute? And they said we were traveling with him and it started to rain and we had to stop in a cave. And as we stopped in a cave, after a while, he disappeared. We're like, where is this guy? Where did he go? He said that we found him alone in a small cavern, and he was praying, and he was crying. And he was saying, you know, like, this reminds me of the grave, man. Like, there'll be a time where I won't be able to leave this kind of place. And they said, that guy, that's the difference between him and us. So in order to succeed in life, the knowledge, you know, being in the Muslim community, dressing a certain way, having a sheikh, talking cool lingo, all that is, is gift wrapping. But that secret between you and Allah, that's where the butter is. And that's what this book talks about. Like, you got to know, and I have to know myself. Internally. What Sheikh he calls, Al-ilmu mu'amala. You know, how do I act with God? Allahu yahuru bayna al-mar'i wa qalbi. No one is closer to you than God. So Abdullah bin Mubarak says, if you want to think about the virtues of knowledge, he said, somebody asked him, like, who are nas, like, who are humans? People who have knowledge. And Ibn Jawzi says, that he didn't include like ignorant people. Doesn't mean it in a disrespectful way, he's saying it philosophically. 
as being truly, truly human. لَأَنَّ الْخَاسِيَةِ الَّتِي تُمَيُّزُ بِهَا الْآدَمِيَ الْعِلْمُ Because he said, what really distinguishes people is knowledge as a creature. He said, for example, you may think what makes you better is that you're strong. Abdullah ibn Barak said this, like I can like bench press, you know, 350, I weigh 220, I'm killing it. Right? He said, فَإِنَّ الْجَمَلْ أَقْوَى مِنْكَ Camel is stronger than you. He said, and maybe someone thinks like, oh, I'm so brave, you know. I'm so brave, he said. فَإِنَّ الْأَسَدْ أَسْجَعَ مِنْكَ Well, a lion is more braver than you are. Maybe because you can eat a lot. Now they have contests, like you eat this much pizza in like 45 minutes, you get free. He said, but بَطْنُ الْبَعِيرِ <laughs> the, the stomach of, a, of a, a riding animal is bigger than your stomach. Maybe sexual prowess. He like, thinks, wow, man, you know, I'm so whatever. <laughs> he said, like, even the nightingale is more sexually stronger than you are. Even rabbits. He said, but what truly distinguishes you is what you know. You have to agree with him. It's like, it's his interesting statement. And he said, وَبِتِلْكَ الْعِلَّةِ أَسْجَدَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ الْمَلَائِكَةَ لِآدَمِ And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of knowledge, asked the angels to bow to Adam. Because if you look at that chapter in, 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 in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ Allah taught Adam, then he ordered them to bow to him. He didn't order them to bow to him before he, he taught them. And now that takes us to an important point. Especially nowadays because people are frustrated, man. And it, it, it's, it's a tough time. These are tough times. It's hard to be patient. You know, as Mutanabbi said, Ya Sabiru Ispir. He's a great poet. He said, Patience, be patient. In the last verse of the third chapter of the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَبِرُوا وَصَابِرُوا Allah said, O you who believe, be patient. And be patient. Right? Patient doesn't mean act, lack of action, but it means to be smart, to be, to be intelligent. So he says, اشتغالوا بالعلم خيرهم اشتغالوا بالنافلة And he touches on a, an important point. Ibn al-Jawzi and al-Ghazali. He said, some people may think that al-amal afdalu min al-ilm. The action is better than knowledge. What he means though, we need, to, we need to be precise here. It's not in the text. He means actions without knowledge are not better than knowledge with action. Because maybe knowledge, or maybe action without knowledge is better than knowledge without action. You understand what he's saying here? What he's saying is that if you act without knowledge, that's worse than if you know when you act. So make sure you take the time to like learn the issues before you jump into the frying pan. But what he's not saying is that sometimes maybe acting without knowledge is not better than knowledge without action. You, you understand, these are two different things happening. 
One is, action without knowledge is not better than knowing and acting. Okay? But action without knowing may be better than knowing without acting. We say, بَيْنَهُمْ عُمُومَ الْخُصُوصِ But what he's talking about in this context is someone who acts and doesn't know. Some people may think that that's better than taking the time to learn, taking the time to be strategic, taking the time to make sure that I'm effective. That's his point. Okay? That's why Umar bin Abdulaziz said very beautifully, how many people act without knowledge? And like they committed more evil than they did good. Once there was, when I first converted, there was a guy, he's like, man, why don't you go make your mom Muslim? I was like, yeah, that easy, dude. You are now Muslim. Your name is not Mary Lynn, it's now Miriam. My mom's like, what? What are you talking about? Tear down the pictures. So I said to him, you know, like, it's not that easy, man. He was like, you know, your mother, she's like someone in a house burning down. And you just need to jump in there and pull her out. I say, yeah, but I need the blueprints first. That's what the sheikh needs. Make sure you got the blueprints, man. Make sure you understand the nuances of the situations. The prophet spent 40 years with people before he started to organize. Right? The prophet works and understands people before he begins to try to guide them and lead them. So for that reason, when it came to that type of knowledge, the scholars preferred that over... Nothing. So you have like Imam Chef who used to say, I'd rather learn than pray at night. He meant this kind of learning. Yes? What, would, what do you think the Sheikh would say as to how do you know when you know enough to act? Right? It's important to know, but like, I think the problem with the layman, they don't know when, what they don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's good to have relationships not only with religious leadership, but like the, the field that you're interest, interested in. You can consult with people. Like we need to subject ourselves, subject ourselves to peer review, because even religious people sometimes say some crazy stuff. Like just because someone's learned religion doesn't necessarily mean that they have cultural uh, literacy. And that's one of the challenges of the Muslim community. We have a laity, which is culturally literate. They know that fifty cents is not change, but maybe because of a post nine eleven world in America weren't exposed to, like, organized education. And we have religious leadership who thinks 50 cents has changed. I remember I was with a, a scholar once. This is, I think, a year and a half ago. I said, man, Prince died. He said, which Prince? He lived in America for 25 years. Man. I said, Prince, man, the greatest musician. He's like, I, I have no idea who Prince is. And I said, but you, you live in a city is greatly impacted by Prince. Like, for you not to know who Prince is, I mean, don't get me wrong, you don't have to, like, be a fan. But just to be aware, like, the prophet knew who the Jahili poets were. He was aware socially to the degree where he would be able to address issues adequately. And he was, of course, educated religiously enough not to violate the sacred. Right? That's a, that's a smooth balance. It's not easy, right? So I would say there needs to be a reciprocal process of education. Right? that imams and scholars, content providers are learning from people issues and people are learning religion. Conversation.
Halas. So that's why we find like scholars would say, you know, I would rather learn than pray at night. My teacher from Senegal, one time I came into a class he was teaching and I started to pray to Rakat, Tahitul Masjid. He said, don't do that. Learning is more important than Tahitul Masjid. That's why the Malikis, they say you should pray to Rakat for Adhan during Jum'ah and not wait for the Khatib because learning is more important. Other madhabs say you shouldn't pray, right, during the Adhan. Sadat al-Malikiyah, they say, no, you should pray during the Adhan so you can listen and learn something perhaps from the Khatib because of the value of knowledge. And last Thursday we talked about how Abu Huraira, when Shaitan he didn't know a shaitan, he thought it was an old man, said to him, look, like, if you let me go and don't tell the prophet I was trying to steal zakat, I'll teach you something. What does Abu Huraira do? You know what that's emblematic of? Of a cultural literacy that values the acquisition of knowledge. Abu Huraira knows exactly what to do. Oh man, teach me. And that means that the prophet, Ali, is empowering a community towards the acquisition of knowledge because we are a community that begins with Iqra. We are commanded to literacy. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that also talks about the virtues of teaching. Like I tell our community a lot, like some of the imams and teachers, like, man, you got to be accessible, man. Like, it's not just about conferences and stages where nobody can talk to you. Like, that's easy. How do you evaluate your speech? You're at the Soul Train Music Awards, man. Can't nobody tell you're off tune? Right? But when you go and play in the subway, or go to Washington Square Park and start pulling out a saxophone and try to do, you know, miles ahead, someone may come to you and say, that's not Miles Davis, bro. And that, that's important for the, the religious teacher to engage the people, to learn from the people. I, 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 because of time, I can't, I'm sorry. So the, the Prophet has Abu Bakr as a press secretary to tell him, don't talk to these people like this in Mecca. Talk like that. And the Prophet says, alayhi salatu salam, okay. Because I know you know more about this than I do. Alayhi salatu wassalam. And that's why there's so many virtues associated with being a teacher. God bless educators. I did a degree in education. Meaning, I swore my life to poverty. In America. You know, Ella Collins' son told me that Ella Collins grabbed, Ella Collins of course is Malcolm's sister. We all know who that is. Her house is behind our mosque in Boston. They're a beautiful family, man. He said to me that when Malcolm, God bless him, we should all go to visit Malcolm's grave, man. This is February. This is the month he died. Right down the street in Columbia. Well, in Harlem, which is now being turned into Columbia. And, and when Malcolm came to Ella and said, I'm going to be Malcolm X, she forced him to take a vow of poverty. And she said to him, look, be ready for it. Like, this is not going to be easy for you. And he did. Rahimahullah ta'ala. So in the Quran, for example, in the third chapter, verse number 187, 
شو تعال عمران وإذ أخذ الله ميثاق الذين أوتوا كتاب ميثاق it says Allah took a ميثاق a ميثاق is not just an oath and ميثاق is like if you don't do this I'm gonna kill you like ميثاق is like something super super important that's why نكاح is called ميثاق it's not just an عقد it's ميثاق so it's like a contract times ten right I don't know how to describe it I'm not a lawyer huh the covenant but like the covenant that you you know be careful and there's two qira'ah here that teach us a lot about um, the importance of teaching when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took a covenant from those given the books some people said those given the books were the prophets some said so those given the books were like you know Jews and Christians it says that you will make clear things for people. You won't hide anything from people. That's a qira'ah, Hafs and Asim. Everybody here reads with Hafs because he's awesome. Hafs and Asim. Imam Asim. Al Kufi. But Sha'bah says, So two qira'ah, one qira'ah says, We said, and pay attention to Arabic, the tense changes. It doesn't happen in English. We took this covenant from those that we gave the book to. Don't hide it and make it clear. He's talking to us. The tense didn't say, we said to them, don't hide it. And you must make it clear and to them. The tense changes from talking to those we gave the book to, to suddenly say, it's like, like if I said, and I said to them, do this, do this, do this. You better do this. That's the tense in Arabic. So it's saying, we gave them the book, don't hide it, make it clear. So it addresses us, you. It's called iltifat, the rhetoric, the tense changes. Why does it happen to say, look, Ummah of Muhammad, don't think we only were talking to the people we gave the books before you. You are responsible for education. Muslims like spiritual Jedi Knights, man. Yeah, shaitan hates you. Ooh, man. He hates the believer. That's why the hadith says when a believer dies, shaitan, if they die on iman, he cries. Because he knows they did what they were supposed to do. But the importance of being educators. Prophet said, all of you, whatever you know, do your best to relay it in different ways. You don't have to go out in the street and start yelling at people, of course. Through your art, through your profession, through your skill, synthesizing your talent with your faith. Another verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Yarfi'ilahu ladhina amaru minkum wa ladhina utul ilma darajat. Allah will raise the people who know. And the Prophet says, Khayrukum an ta'alama al-Qur'an wa'allama. The best of you are those who learn to teach the Qur'an. Not just learn it, teach it. And a very beautiful hadith, which is from Bukhari, the Prophet said, The example of the guidance that I was given and the knowledge that I was given is like rain. It's like rain that falls on the earth. And he said, there's a certain type of earth which is fertile and soft. And it, it, it soaks the rain and it irrigates the rain. So it benefits itself and it benefits others. There's another type of earth 
which is able to soak, but not able to irrigate. Or irrigate, but it doesn't soak. So the water sits there, but it can't soak it up. Others can use it, it can't use it. And he said, and then there's a type of earth which is like rocky and harsh. The water just falls off of it. And actually what he's talking about is us, his ummah. So some of us will be able to soak and benefit. Those are the people who learn, practice what they learn, practice what they learn. We're not Alan Iverson, man. We believe in practice. For those of you who remember that speech. But also, they're able to benefit other people by what they know. Then there's some who will learn, but they won't practice. But other people will benefit just from what they know. And others, they're not going to learn, they're not going to benefit. Then the Prophet said, this is the example of the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala faqahu fi deen. Those first two are those that God has given understanding to, given knowledge to, and allowed them to be a benefit to others. Right? Remember the metalogic of Islamic knowledge is what? Draw nearer to Allah, that's part of what you said, but the other part is very important, and to benefit creation. And that's why the Prophet said in a very beautiful hadith, he said that the angels in the heavens pray for the person of knowledge. In the, in the narration he said also, Hut, even the fish in the sea will pray for people of knowledge. Imam Ibn Jawzi, he said, someone asked like, Another narration says, the fish in the sea, يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ اللَّهَ لَا That the sea, fish in the sea will pray that Allah forgive those people who have knowledge. So somebody asked Ibn Jawzi, man, how is a, why is a fish going to make istighfar for a person of knowledge? And he said, إِنَّ النَّفَّ الْعِلْمِ Because of the blessing and benefit of knowledge, that it, it even touches animals in the environment. Like someone that has religious knowledge, is going to know how to shrink their carbon footprint. They're going to know how to live responsibly so that now they have an akhawa with creation. After that, we're going to talk about the designations of knowledge. And the Prophet said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilman la yanfa. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from knowledge that doesn't benefit. Scholars, when they comment on this, they said, Knowledge that doesn't lead to practice. doesn't lead to some kind of tangible benefit. Of course, like there's certain areas of strategy, there's certain areas of theory who, who don't come into the physical world, but still they ultimately contribute to some kind of benefit, right? Those things are good. But in general, what doesn't lead to benefit implicitly or explicitly is ilmun la yanfa knowledge that doesn't benefit and we see this repeated over and over and over again in religious texts such that a great scholar Imam Shatibi who's a great Andalusian jurist he has an entire section in his book it's four volumes on this idea that whatever doesn't lead to beneficial knowledge a uh, beneficial practice to creation is looked down upon shara'an in general, in general, in general so he gives examples like when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
was asked by Jibreel. After you ask him about Islam, faith, uh, Islam practice and faith, and then you ask him about Ihsan, right? You ask him about excellence. Then you ask him, when is going to be the hour? How does the Prophet respond? Tell me, when is the hour going to be? What does the Prophet do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's deconstruct that. Break it down. What does the Prophet do? I don't know. But then when he says, What are the signs of the hour? What does the Prophet do? He goes into big detail. You know, you're going to see a slave give birth to her mom. You're going to see destitute, naked, Bedouins, Burj Dubai, building the largest buildings in the world. He goes into detail how they're going to look. They're Bedouins, they're sheep herders, they're this. Because knowledge of the signs of the hour freaks people out. And when they freak out, it leads to action. But the hour, only God knows when it's going to happen. So the Prophet, the opportunity, to benefit the person, he goes into details. If it's a question that doesn't lead to actual practice or any type of real tangible benefit, watch what he does. A man comes to Sayyidina Muhammad, we're going to talk about this hadith later. And he says, Mata sa'a ya Rasulullah. <laughs> this is in Medina, like this is after people have been Muslim for a while. And some guy shows up, there's always that one guy. It's kind of like the national anthem the other day. And he shows up and said, God bless Fergie, man. She's getting it hard. May Allah guide her. We shouldn't be laughing at people making fun of them, man. You know, that stuff come back to haunt you. One day you'll be doing the national anthem in Egypt. <laughs> like, Biladi, Biladi, Bilad. I forgot. Right? I, don't, I don't like how we make fun of people in this culture right now. It's, it's harsh, man. People make mistakes. It's funny. Move on. Anyways. And we should also pray for those kids, man, that got killed uh, and their families, you know, in Florida uh, and around the world, man. It's, it's really upsetting and sad. This man comes to the prophet and he says, Matasa, what is the hour? Like, what kind of question is that, man? It's like someone walking here right now, like, when's the day of judgment, man? <laughs> We'd all be like, mm, convert, brother. It's one of those new guys. That's what happens to us all the time in the converse, man. We ask weird questions and people make fun of us. No, I'm just joking. I have experience in this. Who's the hour, Imam Khaled? Someone should do that in Juma and just see what happens. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you, though. So this guy, he asked in front of everybody, ya Rasulullah. And people were like, what? The Prophet says, Look how he changes the answer. He said, What'd you prepare for? So he, he doesn't mock him, he doesn't make fun of him, he doesn't make him feel uncomfortable. He guides him to action. So we find here a very important principle. Right? That Islam focuses on like what's beneficial. Al Fa'ida. Right? And that should empower you as young Muslims, man. 
Like that's the ethos of your religion is to bring benefit. Kuntum khaira ummatin nas the best community. This lamb is translated as two people, but it's called lamb wa for the benefit of people without sacrificing religious principles. Right? He's going to go crazy with it. Now we understand why even the fish in the sea may istighfar for the person who knows. And that's why the, 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 the verse says, Right? That there were these evil people who died. The Quran says, The heavens didn't even weep for them. One of my teachers, Sheikh, a scholar of Hadith, he said, But as for the believer who like practices and lives beneficial knowledge, the heavens will cry for them. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, now you can understand the hadith, when he left his mimbar, when he left the, 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 the stump of a tree, to give his sermon from a mimbar, what the Sahaba said we heard the tree doing? Now you understand why. Even the tree can yastafid min khutbatihi. So even the tree is benefiting from the Prophet. Ibn Sirin, when he used to narrate this hadith, we'd cry and say, man, the tree cries because it misses Muhammad. My heart never cries because it misses Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. SubhanAllah. That takes us into an important question. Sheikh, he says, as for like beginners and common people like us, he says, you know, you're going to run into a lot of people in your religious growth. You're like, hey, like, where should I start? And if you ask a Sufi, they're going to be like, Sufism. If you ask a Qadi, he's going to be like, you know, seven Qiraat. She's like, start seven Qiraat. You're like, what? I can't even, I ain't got Fatiha, man. I'm trying to do Fatiha, the opening, not the closing. Right? If you run into a scholar of fiqh, she's going to tell you, Sharia, let's share it out. If you go to someone who's like, in Islamic economics, we need to destabilize the river basin, blah, 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 blah. You're like, Yo, I'm just trying to have khushu, man. <laughs> Help me out with this. The Sheikh, he says something very beautiful. He said, You know, if you ask a scholar of theology, study theology. If you ask a scholar of fiqh, they're going to tell you study fiqh, it's like the most important. If you ask a scholar of tafsir, hadith, they're going to tell you tafsir and hadith, right? Depends on their field of study. Then the Sheikh, he says, was sahih. But the real answer to this is what Ibn Qayyim called Fardu Waqt. What's most important for you where you are in your life. <coughs> now, outside of like the, the obligatory things, like that's always important, right? How to pray, how to fast. But in general, most of us know how to do those things relatively well. So then throughout our life, let's say, I take a philosophy class and I start to freak out. So, like, for that person at that moment in time, you know, take those questions, go to Imam Khalid, right? And ask those questions, or Sheikh Sirajul Hajj, or Aisha Adawiyah, or Sheikh Maryam Amir, Sister Aisha Prime, Sheikh Aisha Prime, whoever. Right? That's the opportunity now, because that's what's important to you at that moment. If you want to get married, go ask someone besides me, what I need to know, right? And they'll help you. Hey, you know, like, I would tell people, okay, 
here's like some of the, like, I don't like when people talk like, what are my rights? If you're talking about what are your rights, y'all ain't ready for marriage. No, how do we make a great life together? And then within that comes rights and responsibilities, man. Rights and responsibilities are the tail of love, not the head. And then I might say, you know, you should probably sit with a pre-marriage counselor. That's what I tell people. So at that moment, that's what's important. God forbid someone dies. Okay, now I need to know about inheritance. So now that's fuddled on you. I want to get involved in activism, social justice movements, but I'm not sure, like, I do this, I do that. We've got to find, first of all, an imam or a sheikh or scholar who's aware of what's going on, right? Or teach them, take them to a rally with you, take them to a community organizing gathering so that they can learn, wake them up, stir the pot, spill the tea. Don't spill the tea. But get them exposed, and then you can have those conversations. That's what's needed at that moment and that time. So the Sheikh, he says, after the foundational issues of knowledge, Fardu'ain, right? The essentials of faith, the essentials of practice, the essentials of the purification of the soul. After that, it's really specific to your situation. It's very invigorating, very liberating, very powerful, right? Because sometimes you get boxed in. But you want to be able to, to like, contextualize knowledge. Because knowledge has to be meaningful and sustainable talk about that later inshallah so he gives like an example he says like for example a child you know he, he walks you through like the growth of a child and how as that child goes through life these are the things it should learn right like shahada basics of faith how to pray blah blah blah, blah. like kind of the examples that I just gave you and now the sheikh he gets to our our subject what Imam al-Ghazali called ilmu mu'amala. Ay, mu'amalat al-qalb. So he said, ilmu mu'amala is one of those obligations that's going to be with you all the time, 24-7, 365. Because your heart is not going anywhere. And we know that the Prophet said, ala wahiya al-qalb, right? Like there's this piece of flesh, it controls everything. If that piece of flesh is... is clean, everything else follows. It's the heart. Abu Huraira used to say uh, that the mind is the malik, it's the king. And the heart is the general. And the limbs are rebellious soldiers. So you always got to keep him in check with the general. But sometimes the general has to do an overthrow too. And vice versa. So the subject of this book is called Ilm al-Mu'amala. We'll talk about it in a minute. That term changed later on to be called Tasawwuf. No problem. Tazkiyat al-Nafs, Tasawwuf. I don't care what you call it. I could care less. You call it feel-good knowledge. Oh, whatever. Whatever works. We'll get into that in a second. He said, He said, Ilm al-Mu'amala is the state of your heart. What he means by the states of the heart are, for example, fear of God, reverence of God, al-khawf wal-khasha, wal-rajat, hope, wal-rida, contentment with God, wal-sidq, integrity and honesty. 
والإخلاص إنسنسي سو الغزالي is to تصوف what the Chicago manual style is to English composition to help you understand it it's like these are the rules these are ways to like monitor our, our inner states that he took from hadith he, he took largely from Imam al-Muhasibi and those who preceded him Abu Talib Mekki other great people who came before him and then after him people continued to develop this just like any other science like grammar, rhetoric, logic, theology sometimes there's good sometimes there's bad so the sheikh he says to act it means mu'amala is the word that means reciprocal form it's called mushtaraka so you act and Allah, Allah is with you in, in your life and there's this constant sense of like reciprocal relationship remember me I remember you although Allah is beyond causes what he's saying is Allah is there like one sister one time she asked me I feel so far away from God I said who moved <laughs> and ahwal are, there's two words you should know af'al are actions the science of actions is called fiqh fiqh is ilmu af'al so is this haram can I like punch my little brother you know stuff like that af'al can I sleep past salah that's an action ahwal are the actions of the heart and the science of the actions of the heart through our tradition has been tasawwuf and the third we already did it last semester theology i'tiqadat beliefs so like on our sitting in this program what I'm doing is taking you through three of those basic things we did theology now we're doing ahwal in the future we'll do af'al what, what is the root of that understanding in Islamic the curriculum of Islam is the hadith of Jibreel what's Islam? af'al what's iman? i'tiqadat what's ihsan? ahwal qalb when the Prophet said, To worship Allah as though you see Him. Even though you can't see Him. So how would you worship Allah as though you see Him, even though you can't see Him? Right, that's the yaqeen in the heart. And that's why Surah Al-Abbas is powerful. Because people who have everything in the world and can see, are not as valuable as a blind man who can see. لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرَ أَوْ يَخْشَى So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us like the difference between being able to see here and being able to... وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَ الْقُلُوبُ الَّتِي The Quran says, eyes aren't blind, let's blind our hearts. So Ghazali, he put this book together and people came before him to help us work on this. Allah says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ Right? Successful is the person who purifies 
the heart. So the Sheikh, he defines it. He says, I'll put this inshallah on the Facebook page. This is the knowledge of the states of the heart. What are called the manazil, the stations of ihsan. How do I know, like, how do I know about this relationship? And then he gives examples, fear, hope, love, reverence, right? Um, trust, contentment, sincerity, being honest. Can you read the definition of ahwa? Yeah, he says, Then about what is this ilmu mu'amala, wahuwa it is ilmu, the knowledge ahwari al-qalb, the knowledge of the states of the heart. It's like, how's my fear? How's my hope? How's my love? How's my honesty? What, how can I protect that? How can I preserve that? How can I achieve it? Right? That's what this focus is on. So just like, you know, wudu is needed to purify myself for salah, ilmu ahwal is needed to purify my heart for relationship with Allah. And faith, and people, other things. And the Shaykh, he says, it's really sad that most people neglect this because this is fardu'ayn. This is an individual obligation. So he said, like, you could see someone, like, justifying why backbiting is allowed and then never talk about why backbiting will destroy your heart. Like, they just became so lost in fiqh. They forgot the ahwal. So they don't have what's called, scholars called basira. Right? Being perceptive. Seeing things. Any questions before we move on? It's a lot. We took a lot. I'm sorry. It's a lot to take. And then the Sheikh, he dedicates a section on the dangers of arguing. Because Imam al-Ghazali, we talked about this last time, we said... You know, like knowing the historical reasons why something was written or when it was written is like half the battle, man. So he t- I think someone last week, man, I picked up this book. I had no idea what I was reading. You told me, yeah? Al-Ghazali, right? Because there's like a historical context to like books that helps us understand, you know, half of what's going on. It's important to note that Imam Al-Ghazali lives in the Abbasi time period. The Abbasi period is where knowledge becomes really the subject of severe patronage. Under the Amuis also, but more so the Abbasis. And what that did for many people, not all people, is it turned knowledge into like jockeying for patronage. So people started, so you'll find like people were like learning how to what's called Zuhraf al-Kalam. Like how, like how to make their like, how to have bars. Like really, it's like how to have bars, how to spit bars. So how to make your word like Alhamdulillah ladi alam al insan wa taahu al Quran wa fadlahu al janan. Mm mm mm. Called saja. You find in Quran, "Qul a'udhu bi Rabbil falaq min sharri ma khalaq wa min shar." But this is Quran. People did this, so when they would debate you, they would just be like dropping eight bars and eviscerating. But doing it talking about religion. 
and that will get you paid. And if you know it's going to get you paid, you would no longer be worried about the substance because you'd want to make who happy? The people dropping the dead presidents. So people became compromised. And that's why the Prophet said, The biggest thing I worry about for you is wealth. So Ghazali lives at the height while this is happening. So does Ibn Josie. And Ghazali being the genius that he is, says, wait a minute, it's not the purpose of knowledge, it's not to argue. Can you imagine if Ghazali spent 10 minutes on Facebook? He would probably write another book. Four <laughs> volumes. <laughs> He'd lose his mind. So Ghazali comes as, if, as a spiritual, social agitator leaves his position as the head rector of what was the Harvard of the Muslim world and yells. If you ever seen that movie, School Days, the guy yells, wake up. You should watch the School Days, man. It's Black History Month. Azadi is saying, wake up. The purpose of knowledge is the hereafter, not to argue. So you'll see constant kind of referral to the dangers. What he doesn't mean like argument, like you're arguing a PhD or you're trying to like take the argument somewhere that's beneficial. That's different. <coughs> what he means is arguments that have been compromised for something else besides Allah, besides the truth. Because to be honest with you, most of our orthodoxy is the outcome of arguments. We have to be honest about that. So the sheikh, he has a section on be careful of arguing to show off, to style, to impress people. And it mentions like some really, really beautiful statements of Sayyidina Imam you know, Shafi'i. Well, Imam Shafi'i is so sincere, man. Sometimes his words, you feel like, man, I just suck so bad. <laughs> like, you read what he says, you're like, I'm just the worst human being in the world, man. Imam Shafi'i says, Never did I argue with someone except I presented to him or her a stronger proof and they accepted that proof except I felt in my heart admiration for them. Like, I, 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 I brought it. You know what I mean? I brought it. And they recognized that I brought it. Never has it happened except I left with more admiration for that person because of their ability to accept that they were wrong. And he said, never have I presented an argument that was stronger. And they knew it was stronger, and they rejected it, no matter who they were, except I lost respect for them. And he used to say, every time I argue with someone, I pray that the proof will come from them, so I can be honored with humility and following someone. He's not like about like, yeah, man, I got this, boom, 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 boom. He's like, no, no, I pray, he said, Allah I pray to Allah that the truth will come from them so I can follow it. And he has an awesome statement. He said, I may be right, unless I'm wrong. And I, may, I may be wrong, unless I'm right. So what? We know that Imam Shafi'i, 
he and Imam Ahmed, although they, they, they were contemporaries, Imam Ahmed was much younger than him, uh, and he used Imam Ahmed in hadith a lot, they had some differences, you know? As scholars and smart people should be differing. You know, if you're married, use that line, it works a lot. <laughs> right? Because you know what you're implying. Like, baby, you a genius. Um, but Imam uh, Ahmed, one day he saw Imam Shafi's son. And he said, Hada Ibn Shafi. Come here, come here, come here. And he came to Imam Shafi and he said, Wallahi, your father is one of six people I pray for whenever I pray to Hajj. So like, even though like differences, and those are like legitimate differences. But just to argue, to show like, yeah, I'm the best thing since, you know, he needs samosas? No. And we're going to have to skip some stuff because of time. But because ilm is a fadila, something that we need to work for, and the goal of knowledge is to draw nearer to Allah and help His creation, it has to come with etiquettes. Etiquettes of the student, etiquettes of the teacher, and all of us are students and teachers. When you bring a brilliant comment, I become a student. Right? That's how it works. It's not, who cares? Like, nobody cares about this stuff, man. Right? So we'll talk about some of the adab we should think about. And the rest that we skipped, I'll put it on the podcast when we start, inshallah, in the future. Who knows when? And then next week we'll start with the issues of the heart. First one is narcissism and hubris. A fitting time. We'd want to get trumped by this era. Trumped. The verb. So, adab al muta'allim. Like the etiquettes of a student. You know, etiquettes are very important. My teacher from Senegal, I was young, I, can, I converted. I was young, I was so arrogant, man. Jeez, wow. Poor Sheikh. A 19 year old kid, man. Oklahoma, played basketball for Blake Griffin's father. Didn't know who Blake Griffin was. He was a little baby back then. But I remember, like, he wouldn't let me study, man. He's like, clean my house. I was like, what? He said, clean my house. Clean your house? He said, clean my house. He wasn't taking advantage of me. His house wasn't dirty. So I, like, had to figure out something to do. Um... But he's trying to teach me adab before knowledge. Imam Malik, his mom, Aliya, was his mom's name was Aliya, like the singer. Um, he was young, man. He, he, he like his pigeons were his his Xbox, man. So he was really into pigeons. His parents were worried about him. Like you know, hello, your dad's like a big scholar, and like Anas Ibn Malik is your dad, not that Anas, but another Anas Malik. Like you're supposed to like go in this direction, and you're not doing it. People in Medina thought his brother was going to be a great scholar. Because he liked pigeons. He was like, always playing with pigeons. So his mom, you know, had this massive impact in his life. Without Malik's mother, you don't have Malik. And then she sends him to his first day of school to Rabbi, Rabbi Abdurrahman. He's a great scholar. She says, ilmi. should learn how he acts before you learn the knowledge. Impatience in the age of fast food and Netflix binging is very hard to have patience. Get things quick. 
Like, I'm the last era before cell phones. Like, I remember my dad pulling over and, like, going through the seats looking for 75 cents, man, to make something called a phone call. You know, like, life demanded patience. MapQuest. You had to print it out. <laughs> like, oh, God, this is so cool. There's a map on a piece of paper. Now it's on our phone. And that's not a bad thing. It's just we need to regulate and learn how to control these things, not be controlled by technology. So patience. Patience demands adab. The sheikh, he says, adab al-muta'alim. The etiquettes of the student. We're just going to go through them quickly. Number one, taqdim al-taharit nafs is to focus on the purification of your heart. Man, I was giving a talk one time to a high school. They brought me in for like whatever their motivational last end of the year speech or whatever. It wasn't the commencement speech. And I just said like, hey, make sure you take care of your heart. The kids started freaking crying in the audience, man. I didn't know what was going on. I just came back from Musser. So I was I was still Egyptian at that time. I was like, man, did I say something wrong? Like, crying in the audience. And this really wonderful Hindu girl came to me and she said, I haven't heard someone tell me about my soul in like 10 years, man. Like, people don't care. People tell me about my concealer. Like, nobody tells me about my heart. It's like, I really, like, I'm, I, I haven't heard this. You know, like, wow. So the sheikh, he said, when you study, first thing you should think about is how is this going to help you purify your soul and make you a better person? And that's really the goal of knowledge. And to eschew and to, like, eschew, like, bad character from your life and, like, unruly attributes that you may have. Like, for me, like, I'm so lazy, man. I'll be honest with you. I'm, they call me in Oklahoma, I'm thick-boned. Heavy bone means, like, I don't do no work, man. Bones are heavy. Right? <laughs> so that's uh, something I should work on. Right? Something I have to think about. Either al-ilmu ibadatul qalb. Sheikh said something awesome. He said, because knowledge is the worship of the heart. Because it involves cognition. Involves something internal. It's pushing you to learn. You can't really learn. Like, of course, Gardner, nine styles of learning. Yes, it's dope. Sheikh is saying, at its, at its foundational point, something inside you is pushing you to learn. So that's ibadatul <coughs> qalb. So like the legs walk to the musalla, something Allah has put in the heart to motivate us to want to study and learn. That's why it says, Ibadat al-Qalb. One of my teachers from Jazair, Sheikh Zakari, used to say, Sirr al-Qalb. The secret between you and Allah. Well, Salatu Sirr. says something cool. He said, And knowledge is a hidden prayer. It's, it's like a form of Salah, but it's internal. Now, there's a reason he said that. Because if you think about it, knowledge has conditions has foundations, right? Knowledge has conditions and foundations. So he said, That knowledge is the internal state, seeking knowledge that draws you nearer to God. So again, what do you say to Islamophobes? Like, Islam is like anti-intellectual, man. We consider knowledge an internal act of salah. What do we say to a community that doesn't encourage young people to ask questions, to engage, to doubt even, to challenge? It doesn't offend me, it's on challenge, I don't care. 
Like, it doesn't bother me. That's good. You're thinking. Like, you have to agree with me, so I'm not that important. Hashtag, I'm not that important. Like, I believe that. Sincerely. My, I said last week to people, my teacher used to say the wrong answer. He'd be like, Ja Amran. Amran Mansub. I was like, yeah, Ja Amran. He's like, no, it's not Ja Amran. Why'd you say that? I said, because you said it. He said, you're not a good student. He's like, man, I can't argue with you. He said, you're not a good student. Right? And then you create a culture of spiritual abuse. You create a culture where people can get played. Where even the prophet was corrected by the Sahaba. It doesn't take anything away from him being a prophet. He models for us humility and leadership. The Sheikh, he says, وَقُرْبَةُ الْبَاطِنِ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى or sorry, we'll make it quick, went over. He said, just like prayer is not acceptable unless you purify your limbs. He said, purify from ahdath or anjas, like you purify from filth. And it's interesting because salah, we have physical filth and filth that we don't see, but we consider it violating purity. So you have to take care of both of those for your salat to be valid. Said so the same thing with knowledge in the heart. Like the, the knowledge, the, the internal act of worship, of seeking knowledge, won't be acceptable unless you purify the filth in, from your heart. So it's like the body for prayer, the heart is purified for knowledge. Then he said, maybe somebody will say, how are you going to say that, man? Because the way to purify your heart is through knowledge. So how are you going to have that before knowledge? Well, knowledge is the key to knowing how to clean your heart. Sheikh has an answer. He said, at that base level, what you should do is just stay away from the haram and do the wajib, and you're good. He's like, you don't have to learn a lot to do that. But start there. Start with ta'atullah. Ta'atul rasuli. Alayhi salam. Obeying Allah. Obeying his messenger. And you're good. As Al-Muhasibi said when someone asked him, how do I know if God cares about me? If you care about God. God cares about you. That's how it works. The second, تَقْلِلُ عَلَيْقَ الشَّاغِلَ Not getting too busy. <laughs> this is a hard one, man. <laughs> I hate this one. <laughs> I'm serious. I want to watch Walking Dead. I'm, I'm behind. What he means are, are, are thing, things that are going to become distractions. When I start to memorize the Qur'an, I asked my teacher in Oklahoma, man, how am I going to memorize the Qur'an? He's like, stop watching TV so much. Right? What he meant is like, don't completely stop, but you've got to get rid of certain things to open the vessel. If the vessel's filled, you can't put anything else in it. And that's why Sidi Junaid used to say, Al-ilmu la Sidi Junaid used to say, knowledge won't give you half of it if you don't give it all. All you got. What he meant is at the moment you're studying. So don't go home and be like, locking the door, honey, put the kids to sleep, leave me alone. No, that's not what he means. It means at the moment that we're seeking knowledge, focus and limit the distractions. Like now, I'm not on social media at the moment because I got to finish the seven qara'at. I can't do that to be on Instagram. Because you post one thing on Instagram, someone sends you a message. You know, brother, I don't know why you posted that. Blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, run your day. So you got to limit how you engage. Because the sun shines bright. 
brightest one is blocked by clouds. So you gotta pull back a little bit. That's what he means. You gotta be disciplined. You need to give it some effort because it's fadila. That's why Imam Ahmed he didn't get married till he was 40 years old. God bless him. I could not do that. <laughs> but, mashallah, people ask him why. He said, I have things to do. I got things to learn, man. PhD students know about this. Right? Let's buy a house. Uh, I got student loans. The next is to respect the teacher. He doesn't mean like respect the teacher like Mubalagha, where it's like, you know, formal stuff. It just means like, just be respectful, man. Like you guys are awesome, mashallah, alhamdulillah, you're perfect. Right? The next is that the person should start with the foundations before they get into the depths of knowledge. People always want to do this, man. People are like, yeah, I want to take like the Muwatta, the chapter on Melamy mission. I want to do the chapter on war. Like, I want to do the chapter on interest. Like, can you read the Muwatta in Arabic? No. Like, maybe we should learn how to read first. Then we can. People always yahudu. They always want to go deep without having some of the foundational principles. And it's really worth it. I know in the beginning, it's like working out. If you work to get the good form in a deadlift, you'll always be thankful for it. It's hard, it's a pain. Nobody wants to do it, but you're not going to mess up your back later on. And you'll, you'll develop. So Sheikh is saying, start with the foundations. How do you know if you have the foundations? So tomorrow, the people are going to read with me in a week, I'm doing a diagnostic evaluation of people. What do you know? Right? And not, not to bully people or intimidate them. No, I'm trying to help you get to where you want to be. If you go to your trainers, like, what do you eat? Kale, grilled chicken. Really? Why is there a fries sack in your bag? Oh, oh, oh. no, you got to be honest. Can I train a bad diet? Can I, can I learn not learning the basics? Imam Asubki used to say, all my students succeeded except those who began with the differences of the ulama, this group, that group, that. And unfortunately, it's how we're teaching people now. It's a disaster. Whereas the foundation should be strong. And we can talk about methahib, this difference, that difference, blah, blah. And then it's more enriching too. And the student brings more, they become a teacher. The last, inshallah, because of time... Is sincerity. To be sincere, man. What does it mean to be sincere? To learn for Allah. What does it mean to learn for Allah? To improve your relationship with Him, to improve your relationship with people around you, to see how you can synthesize your profession in a way that benefits broader humanity. That's all ikhlas. That's sincerity. Then he talks about the etiquettes of this, the teacher. Uh, again, I apologize, huh? Just we need to finish this. Everybody's okay? The first etiquette of the teacher is a shafaqa, is to be kind, to be soft. Once I had this kid come to me in Boston, he said, Anta mushal imam. I said, Sahih. Lastu bil imam. He said, You're not the imam. I said, No, I'm not the imam. I said, but why? Why did you say that? He said, because you smile. I said, man, what have we done to people? Like, 
right? So I told him, in other books, I quote Imam, if I hit you, am I the Imam? He's like, no, no, smile. Shafaqa. Sheikh Ahmad Taharayan was our teacher in Egypt. Uh, we stayed with him for about five years. He's very old, subhanAllah, and he's not very rich. I mean, Egyptian Azhari professor makes about $250 a month. CC means ISIS backwards. So, um, <laughs> Sheikh Rayyan, and yes, twice in Spanish. So, Sheikh Rayyan used to teach us Muatta, Riyad Salihin, like all these really cool books. And then during the class, this is one of the greatest scholars, he was asked to be the Mufti of Egypt in the early 2000s. He said, Da'ma yuribuk ila ma la yuribuk. Nah, I'm good. I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. SubhanAllah. I, I remember he used to pay people to bring tea and serve the students tea. I used to feel like bad, man, like shit. He's like, no, no, like a shafaqa. You guys came from up, you know, far away, most of you. I mean, most of the people in Egypt aren't from Egypt, right? Most of the students are from Africa, Malaysia, <laughs> a few Americans, a lot of Brits. So he was like, you guys aren't from here, so like, I'm like your father, you know, I have to make sure you're fed well, at least with tea. Like, that's the kind of teachers I saw. I worry in America when, when some people make demands of students or they create a cult of personality. That's why Umar ibn Khattab, when he saw Ubay ibn Kaab and people were walking behind him following him, he said, Who are those people? He said, These are my followers. He said, No, no, that's a fitna. It's going to destroy you, man. So kindness, and that's why the Prophet said to the Sahaba in a very beautiful narration, he said, He said, I'm to you like your father. It doesn't mean I'm your father. It means in the natural sense, in a normal sense of the word, a father, and also a person who performs their fatherly duties is prophetic. Right? That's the inverse. But he's saying like, I'm kind and loving and concerned about you in this way. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The second is that the teacher should always remind the student that we're learning this for the akhirah. Wa ilallahi turja'ul umur. Everything's going back to Allah. Not for anything else. The third that the person shouldn't learn for like fame or worldly gain or to be like the latest cool thing on the block. Someone came to me, it was weird, I was at this conference. He's like, man, uh, have you ever thought about buying likes? I'm 45, man, so this is all, uh, that's deep territory for me. <laughs> I know how to play snake on a flip phone really well. So I said, what? Buy what? He's like, yeah, man, you can buy likes now. I said, but what do I do for a living? He's like, you teach, right? I see NYU. I was like, yeah, why would someone who teaches religion buy likes? He's like, no, but like people will see you. And then I was like, exactly. I said, man, listen to what you're saying, man. I don't sell real estate. Right, there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong, I understand. You know, new artist or whatever is, you know, struggling. Get it. 
although people will probably notice that all of his or her likes are from Korea or Russia, <laughs> kind of strange if you're from Queensbridge and all your likes are from Korea, or Korea and all your likes are from the Queensbridge. I'm just saying, there's something wrong, okay? I actually had a student, I'm going to say a story, and he's not here. <laughs> he, he retweeted me on Twitter. So I noticed all these Russian people started retweeting me and Korean people. And I said, I never knew like, that uh, ICNYU had a branch <laughs> in St. Petersburg. That's news to me. And then I started realizing it was because he did it. So I went to him. He's only 14 years old, man. And he lives in California, so he's excused. There's an automatic existential crisis if you live in SoCal. No offense to anyone from SoCal. I love it. I hope to retire one day in Laguna. Khaled needs to increase my salary. But the point is this. I said, man, did you buy likes? He was like, yeah. I was like, dude, you're a 14-year-old high school kid in California. Ain't nobody from Russia know you. Nobody in South Korea knows you, right? You look really bad. He was like, I looked, it looks bad. I was like, it looks horrible. Plus, your mom's going to ask you how you know all these Russian ladies. Like, ah, it's a problem. Right? But when someone came to me at a Muslim conference that was not RIS and said to me, you should buy some likes. That's not what this is for, man. You know what I love about Khal Latif and Sheikh Fayaz? These guys go to hospitals to see people, man. Sheikh Dr. Mozemmo Sadiqi in L.A., Mashallah, he's now very old. You know, you can't meet someone in L.A. who had a sick relative, refugee issue coming from overseas. He'd go to the airport, man. That's the purpose of the knowledge. Stuff that no one knows about. Not that. So the sheikh says, make sure. When you teach people, that's why you teach them. Right? The last, inshallah, we'll finish, is that... Teachers should take people according to where they are. So, like, shouldn't, like, introduce them some super hard topic or even something too easy, right? But should take the time to invest in the student, to know the student. So it involves, you know, understanding each other and then also tailoring. That's a professional teacher. Evaluation. And then he ends and he says, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget that as a teacher, you have to be honest to your students. It's not easy, man. It's harder than you think. Harder than I think. He said, like, if you see them doing something wrong or you see something that you're worried about, you should have an honest conversation with them. And vice versa. Same thing should happen with the teacher. So we'll stop here. So we finished, and believe me, we didn't really get to get into a lot of it because it's a different setting. Uh, kind of his dedication to knowledge, introduction to knowledge, importance of knowledge, types of knowledge, designations of knowledge, what benefits, what brings harm. We talked about it last week. What's an individual obligation? What's a group obligation? Right? And then we went into some of the ideas of benefits, what's beneficial, and so on and so forth. And then we got to the etiquettes. We went through them super quickly. Etiquettes of the student, etiquettes of the teacher. Next week, inshallah, we'll finish in one hour or less. But we'll start on the uyub, or what's called a muhliket. Those things which are destructive ahwal of the heart.
what are those destructive states that the heart might fall itself in, find itself in, right? Then how to restore that, how to heal that, how to address that, inshallah. Then next, I guess in the summer, whenever, we'll get to the qualities that bring salvation to the heart, right? Good qualities. Inshallah, we'll be done. Zakumallahu khairan wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa alaikum.